you know, people are drawn in on a promise of being given some information to a webinar and then they come out of it feeling like, oh, I was just sold to all that time. This week on Creators Pod, we admit we don't understand Twitter and express our general distaste for funnels and hopped up value stacks. So Twitter is rolling out uh, a TikTok style vertical video. Who's going to jump in and use that? I'll do it. I'll try anything once or a thousand times. I don't know. I bet Alex going to do it. I sure am. I'm going to just post the same stuff and post it to TikTok and LinkedIn and see, uh, or TikTok and uh, Instagram Reels rather, and just see how that goes there as well. But uh, I'm not a huge, massive fan of Twitter in general, but. Uh, <laughs> so what is it you don't like about Twitter? It's, uh, I don't know. The platform's just never really resonated with me. I don't spend time sitting scrolling on Twitter. I just don't find it sort of fits in with uh, uh with with what I like to to <laughs> spend my time doing for some reason, I d I was actually really active on it in the very early days, like two thousand six and seven, um, uh, like with a personal account. But then, uh, yeah, I sort of dropped off it when I was spending too much time on it. But now, for some reason, it just doesn't appeal. I don't know whether it's the type of content or or what it is, but uh, yeah, it just doesn't seem to resonate with me. I I never really got into Twitter. I just you know it's just a place, another place to put your stuff, you know, um, and that's kind of how I've been treating it. I haven't really, um, really got into it. Um, I, you know, it's just a place where it's like, all right, I'll just, I'll just put all the stuff there. So that's what I've been doing with it. I've never really gotten the swing of it myself. Um, I've noticed that most of the, the con content that I follow there is political stuff. So it's never, I've never figured out how to use it right. So Keely, you seem to be of all of us, the one who is using it the most, tell us. Yeah, Twitter, I think because I've been doing social media for FH on persons like 2006, Twitter was one of the first platforms that I really started growing on. And I haven't, you know, done leaps and bounds since then. It's everything's always been a very steady growth for me, but there's, Twitter is sort of born for conversation. And even though there's that 280 character limit or back in the old days, it was what half that there's something about the constraint of that. Plus the emphasis on writing that really seems to work well for certain peer to peer communication and whether it's business to business or it's, it's consumer to consumer or something like that. So. I tend to get a lot of questions asked on Twitter for FH umpires because people want to get into a, a back and forth and they'll tag a bunch of people and like, Hey, everybody express your outrage at this decision. And it's just always been there. And so I've, I've spent a lot of time on Twitter over the years, obviously fallen in and out of love with it. Like we do with everything, but, um, I'm looking at Twitter as one of the main platforms for discord for creators because of the strong b2b element that it has about how to establish your authority via writing but of course now they're with the vertical video they're clearly saying yeah we want to be in the in the video space as well so it's an interesting sort of dynamic but it's it's always just seemed to be more writing focused to me which just 
with my personality and my skill set has always been better than video production. So that's that's going to be my jam, and I can't wait. I think it's going to be really neat. How do you manage your uh, your Twitter feed? Because I think that that's one of the things that uh, I find that I don't like about it so much. Back when I was using it years ago, I would use TweetDeck, uh, and that had a lot of uh, organization that you could do there. But I don't know if I think that TweetDeck sort of uh, disappeared. <laughs> but what do you use to sort of manage that and keep tabs on things as you start growing a Twitter following to be able to keep track of all of the conversations? I think that's pro probably the part that I struggle with most. I used to use Tweetbot and similar thing. It sort of got subsumed or pushed away, I think, by Twitter because they wanted to, mm -hmm. you know, everybody wants their own control and they close off the APIs and things like that. But I, I found people on Twitter telling me about how to use Twitter effectively. And one of the things is to create your, your notification list. So I see often recommended take 10 to 20 accounts of people who you really want to connect with either personally or with their content and turn on the notifications for them and then ignore your feed. <laughs> so don't even worry about that stuff. Just go to your notifications every time and look at and you might have, hey, these five people that you follow have posted content within the last 12 hours. If you're lucky, mm -hmm. it's only that many. And then you you go and you purposely engage with it. You like it. If they're a bigger account, you make a comment on it. Like, oh, I really understand this. This really helped me with this particular thing. So you're you're engaging like that, not necessarily because that big creator. So let's say I'm doing that on a Daniel Batal tweet. I know that Daniel Batal probably isn't going to tweet me back and become my best friend. Eventually, I will wear him down, but not not right now. But it's the other people who follow him, who see that, who are closer to my level, who are like, oh, she's pretty cool. I should be a part of her jam. That seems really neat. Or people who are sort of on your same level, you quote tweet them and add your own take, your own perspective, or hey, this is awesome stuff. You should follow this person. So if you take a bit more of an intentional strategy towards interacting with the Twitter feeds, the accounts that are really giving you value, you're able to put more back into it and not waste your time like scrolling through absolutely everything because yeah, that can take forever. That might make it a better experience for me. <laughs> I'm going to do that. <laughs> the way yeah, I do it is I use, I use lists. And I don't like, I don't follow a lot of people in those lists, but like my competitors, I'll put them in those lists and you can make a private list without them knowing it. So you can go to that list and look and see what they're doing all the time. As far as the other, I mean, Twitter to me feels like there's a hundred people out on the street corner and everybody's yelling at the top of their lungs. Look at me, look at me, look at me. And there's no, I never see anything valuable. I rarely see anything valuable. Maybe I should say that on Twitter. I don't know. I just, it's, there's so much crap to go through to get to the gold. It's, it's, it's really hard for me to get mm -hmm. to, 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 to enjoy it. Yeah. That's too bad because I've, I've really found that if I'm careful about who I turn on notifications for, I am looking at accounts that are saying good stuff and I am saving their tweets and I'm going through the resources that they're listing, for example, or watching the videos that they recommend, or, you know, looking at the books that, that they're suggesting. And it's been amazing, but you, you have to cultivate that. You can't just think that you're going to wander through the wide world of Twitter and something is going to be good. You have to say, 
this person is a great tweeter. I'm going to follow them. And when somebody falls off their content, it's not as good, then turn off the notification for them. You don't have to unfollow them, but turn off the notification and focus on the people who are doing good stuff. And yeah. that has really worked for me on my Discord for Creators, Twitter feed especially. I, I really get a lot out of going through those. So how do you think video is going to play into your Twitter life then? Well, with the way that Twitter seems to be targeting the vertical videos, it's the same sort of recommendation, recommendation media paradigm that TikTok's been so successful with, that Instagram and Facebook are moving towards, blah, blah, blah. I think it's going to give an opportunity for discovery in that sense. If somebody goes, and it's, it's just iOS for now, I think, if somebody opens up Twitter on their iOS, device, they'll be able to see a vertical video from somebody they follow, and then you get sucked in the rabbit hole of the recommendation media. So you might be able to reach people who haven't discovered you yet. And again, it's like anything you get in early, maybe that's the key. Maybe that will help you because you don't have 20 billion competitors. You only have 200,000 for a couple of weeks or- Do you know if they're going to, do you know if they're going to change the vert, change the app and add a vertical tab or something or, or are they just going to let you because you can put videos on Twitter now it's not like a, a new thing yeah that's exactly what they're doing and it's supposed to be they're rolling it out right now and it's starting oh, they're, on they're, iOS so they're changing they're changing the interface so you can look at a feed of nothing but videos oh that's cool yeah. well maybe it's cool yeah. we'll see in the in the same way that Instagram does that so if you're on your Instagram feed and then you click on somebody's vertical video it's a reel and right. then you scroll up and suddenly you're watching reels of people that you've never reels, met right. before and you're whoa yeah. and then you go back to your feed because you're like oh safe place i'm going back there yeah. <laughs> have you thought about how this is going to change your twitter strategy <laughs> jeez i feel like i'm talking a lot <laughs> no one else has a twitter strategy <laughs> i don't have a twitter strategy at all i, I don't have a I, i'm like I don't well, think this is helping me craft strategy. one maybe yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, well i'm gonna do what alex going to do and just repurpose my content, you know, splash the same stuff and see what works there. I'm expecting that after some time, Alec is going to report back and I will try to do the same, although he's much more prolific at posting his repost, repurposed content than, than I am, that we'll be able to come back and say, you know, these pieces of interviews do really well on Twitter, don't really hit on TikTok. So that's the stuff that I'm going to put there. Whereas TikTok, it's more, oh, the outtakes do really well, or the behind the scenes stuff does really well. So I, th I have a feeling that the same sort of dialogue stuff is going to do well on Twitter because that's the culture. It's about exchanging mm -hmm. those conversational ideas. So I make promos. So um, I was thinking because, you know, I make the the vertical promos and stuff like that, you know, like in case you missed the last episode, this is what we talked about or whatever. And then um, I can also turn them into like some kind of a video carousel kind of thing where I'm just, I'm just spitballing here. Cause I'm just trying to think, cause I don't have a strategy for Twitter right now. Um, and um, I have a metric ton of um <laughs> of stuff that i've made before that all i have to do is just presto change -o, change it in canva and then now i have uh promo stuff that i can do um that i can kind of like feed out and like you know figure out what i'm gonna do for like you know 
three months. So I don't have to worry about that feed. Right now, it's not really, um, I, I, I just want to use it for discoverability at this point um, because I'm not really out there on Twitter saying nothing or doing nothing. So I'm just putting stuff out there. You know, you throw enough spaghetti against the wall, see what sticks. I don't know. What do you think? Yeah, I, th I think that might work. What I've read is that it's kind of like your your YouTube video content as well. If you can give 80% of your content is just sheer free of cost value, like here, 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 let me tell you all the things and go run with it. And then 20% might be promotional, that that's a good mix. And I suspect that's what I'm going to see a lot of the the videos, or at least I hope that's what my mix will be when I start seeing more of the, the vertical videos on Twitter. So that's what I'm going to do. My, my problem is to actually get 20% promotional because I hate putting up promotional content and I shouldn't, but yeah, I, I just want to give a hundred percent, like here's just all the things and you're magically going to find me and give me money. But yes, 20% of the, Hey, I have this class. I have this course. Even I have this Discord server, come come visit it. That is going to occupy just a smaller chunk of what I'm putting out. What does everyone think about the sort of bigger thing about this whole uh, video on Twitter thing, which is that, you know, Twitter's now got vertical video, TikTok's now having static pictures. How long before everything is just doing exactly the same across all platforms? And then will one just rise up to be the winner of all of them? <laughs> because they all seem to be copying each other ultimately and adding in each other's features. I think it's it the interface like, will, will win. Whoever, whatever's easy to use will win because they'll all do the same stuff. But, you know, I, I don't know. I mean, I don't know how it's going to work out. I, I don't like TikTok. I don't like the way it works. I don't like the, where the buttons are and that kind of stuff. Instagram's easy for me to figure out. People are going to, people can't just keep eating each other's lunches. So the, the culture that's been established, like we've already seen the backlash against Instagram for just going so full bore into the TikTok style of video that, you know, Kylie Jenner is putting out, please Instagram, be Instagram again. And I think we're going to see more of that reaction because eventually the users will dictate, look, this is where we know we can do our TikTok things on TikTok. And we want to do our serious political conversations and exchange of knowledge and business counseling on Twitter. And we want to have, I don't know, business oriented, here's lead magnets on linkedin it's it's going to be the, the the customers will decide they will dictate so if uh if the whole deal with elon musk goes through i mean he's talking about this new platform uh, what's it called x um and it potentially being some <laughs> like weibo style um all encompassing everything in one app uh, i mean that could be in the future of uh, twitter as well yeah he's definitely trying <laughs> that and i think perhaps understanding how difficult it is to launch a social media platform right now. Look at what Be Real is doing. Be Real has good user penetration and very low usage. So everybody's jumping on to see what's happening, but they're going, ah, this isn't quite working for me, is the vibe that you get from that skew of the numbers. So even somebody is powerful and with the backing of a big, company like Twitter and all the other companies, it's not as easy it looks because 
I believe, <laughs> don't get me started on Web3, but I believe things are going in a different direction anyway. And the era of social media being the dominant form of communication, we're at the apex and things are going to start to slide because social media is built on selling people's data without their permission or knowledge. So it's it's a it's a problematic paradigm that people are starting to get wiser to and society's just moving on and things are just moving faster and faster. So Keely, uh, you signed up for Ship 30 for 30 and I still haven't had a chance to catch up on what that is. Ah, yes. So ties nicely to the whole Twitter conversation and then sags us into the next one, I think, because that's kind of one of the accounts or there's there's two guys, Dickie Bush and Nicholas Cole, who run Ship 30 for 30, which is their program to help you write consistently and effectively on Twitter and LinkedIn specifically. So I've been following these guys for probably six months and learning a lot about what they know. They put a lot of stuff out there and the whole ship for 30 for 30 was, um, they, they run, they run cohorts of you going through this 30 day, you know, writing the crap out of your social media platforms type thing. But what really caught my eye was their sales webinar. So we've all been going through this with lots of webinars. It's a big part of how content creators launch things like memberships or course intensives or mentoring programs, whatever it is. And this particular funnel is dope because their webinar was just full of knowledge. It was just high crank, none of the whole agitation. I'm going to tell you why you're upset and I'm going to make it worse. And this is why you really need to come to us. So we're the only ones who can help. None of that. They just said, here, let me, let, let's show you a bunch of stuff. And you're like, going, oh. and then you just, you just want to give them your money after that. So the reason I, I, I wanted us to sort of talk about a little bit is because that seems to be really novel in our space. What have you guys been finding? So I'm all for sales funnels. <laughs> I uh, create sales funnels. I've run sales webinars. I've designed them for myself. I've designed them for other people. Uh, and there is a certain sort of formula to get the maximum out of them. Uh, and that is where I think they get a bad name is because you get people who are um, basically looking at their primary objective is to squeeze the maximum amount of value out of their sales dollar. Uh, and to do that, they apply this very formulate way of doing things um, that uh, really doesn't give a huge amount of consideration to actually, you know, how they end up looking to the people that are going through these sales funnels. Uh, and that's where you get stuff where, you know, people are drawn in on a promise of being given some information to a webinar, and then they come out of it feeling like, oh, I was just sold to all that time. Uh, and you mentioned about, you know, people trying to sort of, you know, pull at the heartstrings or, you know, highlight a pain point and things like that, and how that can come across as, um, you know, very disingenuous. And, you know, that can be one of the things that is frustrating about them. Um, but in actual fact, the webinar that you went through probably did exactly that, but it did it in such a way that you felt, you know, you came out feeling like I need this, because in some way, they had highlighted the fact that there's something that you haven't got that you need, and they've got the answer. So they were using the, sale, the same formula, I'm sure, um, but 
they were just doing it a way that actually made sure that you got plenty of value out of it so that you didn't feel like you wasted your, your time because you can take people through a sales funnel and as long as you are giving real value at every step that someone thinks well do you know what i'm not interested in what you've got to offer but thank you for what you've given me just now and then you can take people on as longer sales funnel as you want and people will be happy to go along all the way up to the point where they feel like well i don't need to go the next step and i think that that's the key is just making sure that you do deliver value at every step what you said really clicked there because that's exactly what they did the classic writing skill trope show don't tell so instead of going through an hour of telling us that we didn't know stuff and they did and that we could only get it from them and we should pay them money they showed us they showed us what they knew and oh that's just that's just genius thank you for the other thing about it as well is if you're on an hour-long webinar you've got an hour to tell somebody you know impart some information so if you can go like really deep for you know 40 minutes or 50 minutes or whatever it is um on some specific aspect of it that people can come away thinking like right well i really understand this one part but there's so much to learn and i want to continue on with this level of expertise and depth you can't get that in an hour-long webinar but i'll be happy to pay for the you know whatever it is, one week course, one weekend course, day course or whatever. Uh, and so you're just demonstrating the value that they're going to get from coming on the course because they can see the, like you say, the level of knowledge that they've got, but also the sort of depth and the quality of education. So it should really be a demonstration of, you know, your abilities as an educator as much as anything, rather than just full of promises and <laughs> you need this and we're not going to tell you anything until you pay us, basically. Keely, did you buy the thing? Did you, did you buy into it? Hell yeah. Have you I done did. it yet? No, was this? Uh, we're, ago, we're in right? onboarding. It starts on Saturday. Okay. And is it a, a week long thing or a month or what? It's 30 days. So oh, you're, duh, when 30. it says okay, ship 30 for 30, no, it's okay. It's, it's it. that yeah. it's, you're going to be posting or we, <clears throat> we are going to be posting every day for 30 days under this program. So it's a very do to learn as well, which I'm a big fan of. I, I think the implementing as you're learning is, is really crucial. So yeah, I think there's cool. a lot to like about this. On the subject of funnels still, another, another thing that I think people, um, puts them off funnels is where you get what they call the value stack at the end of a webinar, where they're running through like all the things that you're going to get. Uh, and so you'll say the, uh, the actual thing is this much, but we're also going to include this, 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 and it's all about stacking up the value that you're going to get from it. And then there's usually like, a discount at the end as well. Now, I think it's really important to make sure that every single thing you've listed is a genuine item that has a genuine price and people can go and look up how much that is uh, and realize that it is true. But when you find that you get people who are saying, come on the course, it's this much. Uh, I've also got this PDF that I created that I've personally just valued at, uh, I don't know, $723. Uh, and it's just some random number that they've pulled out that they're not actually selling it as a product. They've just put some arbitrary value that they've assigned to it. Uh, and then you end up with this value stack that's, you know, however much it happens to be. And you think, well, that is all just actually uh, fictional. You've just sort of made that up for your products. There is no, you can't go and actually buy these things. So I think that that's an important thing that uh, adds credibility is if your value stack is a credible value stack and people can appreciate the value of it. It lends to be very creepy. Like I've been in so many of these things and, um, and I, as a creator, definitely don't want to be 
perceived as that because to me that feels that feels icky and you know for people who you know they might have a little bit of PTSD about that they were like oh 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 you one of those oh okay I got my eye on you you know that kind of way I don't want to be I don't want to be involved <laughs> you know I want to be able to give value that for sure right and 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 the perceived value um you know after I'm done with my webinar, because I'm working on I'm working on one right now, it, you know, I want it to, you know, at the end, like, OK, you perceive there is some value here, but I don't want to to feel at all icky like, you know, that whole. Oh, my God, I cannot stand that. And when I see it coming, I, I had a I had a mentor once that, um, you know, she was really good. She's really good. She, you know, she's doing a circuit. She's doing all the things. But, you know, there were a few of us at the, you know, in class and we're just like, ah, here it comes. Hook, line, sinker, there it goes. And we can see it coming a mile away. And I'm like, mm, that just don't yep. feel good. I just, I don't like it. Alec, I'm all about you being, having integrity about these funnels and stuff. But I just, the whole concept of funnels just makes me feel weird. Um, I, <laughs> Is there a way to use them for an e-commerce business? Because I put all my ads on Google. I'm sorry, my products on Google Shopping. If somebody's looking for a coffee mug with a black print on it, they find it and they buy it. There's not really a lead part of it. They either buy it or they don't buy it. So so the thing about Funnel Circle is just a name for the process of, you know, acquiring clients basically and it starts with uh, the you know the top of the funnel is basically building awareness so in, in this case that would be your um your adverts um right. and I th it's got a real stigma around the name of funnels because so people so many people do these you know bad <laughs> practices that give it a bad name but funnels right. are just a case of raising awareness allowing people to get to know you understand what your products are uh coming in and getting an understanding of the products then the next stage is you know acquiring them the products and then you know onto whatever other products you've got maybe you know from, from buying a single uh mug or whatever promotional item to then becoming a bigger client it's just that process of sort of guiding people through uh, and the yeah. reason it's a funnel is because obviously you're making a lot of people aware at uh, of you uh, and then it's coming down to a much smaller number of people that are actually like your ongoing long-term clients uh, at whatever you know levels that you're doing so, you know some of them you might have a much bigger contract with in a much bigger agreement so it's just that process really um, and in terms of like the merch side of stuff um, well it could be that you're running ads on a uh, a brochure about you know the types of ads that they uh, oh, sorry the type of merch that they might want to produce like all the different ideas of the ways that they could promote their business um, mm -hmm. and so that would be something that you could do where um, yeah you could either run ads or you could post it on your social media that people are going to say hey yeah you know what I'd really like a little guide on the best you know what's the hot uh, um, promotional items that are really popular and you know having a good effect for the clients that you work with right now uh, and then they go and get that and, and then at the bottom it's you know you've uh, either got your your contact details or got another follow-up that's basically going to say hey are you interested in these uh, these products it's just it's just that process really it's getting people yeah. into your email database to be able to promote to them cross promote Okay, so the funnel is actually to catch them and drag them into the email. That's what my funnel would be. Because if they want to buy it, I just sell it to them. It doesn't. I don't have to yeah. go back and forth with lead magnets and presentations and all this other stuff. I just give me your money and here's your thing. So Yeah, and, and lead generation is just the very top part of the funnel. The funnel is yeah. the whole entire customer journey from, you know, finding out about you, seeing you somewhere, um, all the way through to being your advocate and recommending you to people. That's kind of like the very bottom of the funnel is where people are just, you know, 
doing all your promotion for you because you've right. delivered great service for them and they're telling other people. One of the ways that I like to deal with this whole concept of funnels is just to flip it right on its head. Cause I think we, not only do have we attached our past experiences to the word, but it also just connotes that you're, you're, you're at the top and you're clinging to the lip and, and you're starting to slide and, and you just can't help yourself and you get, and you, and you're trapped. Whereas I like to think of it as a pyramid where I'm building layers of trust by giving and sharing. And so at the bottom, my first layer of trust is I've put out all this stuff, little, little pieces on social media for the last however many long years and people know who I am. That's great. And then they see, oh, she's got a live stream. And then they pop into a live stream and they're like, oh, listen to all this free stuff that, oh, I'm really learning a lot about this style of umpiring. And they're, they, we're building up on that and people can then elect to take the next step with you. They can jump up to that next level. But if they don't, it's not like they're hanging out, you know, clinging for their life, trying to avoid <laughs> getting into the bottom of this, of this tight little, you know, cylinder. It's, it's, they're happy where they are and I'm happy they're there because the stronger the base of my pyramid is the stronger every step that I can build on top of that is. So I, maybe it's just a, positive way of looking it, at it but i like it yeah it is just semantics at the end of the day <laughs> it's one's up, up this way one's up that way but it's all about like as long as you've got ethics in the way that you're doing it um you know it doesn't it doesn't really matter what you call it it's just that process of people going from a, a large number down to a small number that you're treating well and with integrity and all of that kind of thing at every step along the way so um yeah it's uh it's perhaps a, a bad analogy to use the word funnel, but it's it's the same process. It's just how you how you actually behave through that process as a as the person that's doing it all. And sales is all about stories, right? It's about the stories we tell and the language that we use to tell those stories. So I I think it's important. And let's tell a story that makes the people in our communities feel like they're 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 valued for where they are and that they're still going to get lots out of knowing you and being around you. And when they're ready, then they'll want to take the next step. So I like the language. Thanks for hopping into our creators pod. If you enjoyed it, subscribe and leave a review wherever you get your podcasts and tell a friend about it. The creators pod podcast is produced by C22 media, Alec Johnson, Keely Dunn, Michelle Lawrence, Rich Graham, and me, Dina Taylor. Take care, y'all. See you next time.